0: It is good to see everybody out to service this morning and just welcome all the visitors and just want you to make yourself at home and just our prayer is that God would touch your hearts and you'd be able to leave saying, hey, it was good to visit, good to be with these people. We appreciate each one and uh, certainly we do want to pray that God would keep his hand on us as a people. He's done it before and he'll do it again. I was real glad the Buckeyes won yesterday and pulled that one out because I thought, boy, it's going to be a struggle trying to lift the spirit of these people here tomorrow morning. So I'm glad that God answered my prayer, Becky. uh, Anyway, it's good to see everybody here this morning and just pray that God would help us and touch your hearts. Let's look to God one more time in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your blessings. Thank you for everybody that's out to serve us this morning, Lord. And I pray you'd touch each heart, Lord. Uh, We've prepared, Father, and we just pray you'd take these thoughts you've laid upon our heart and help it to minister to each one that's here. And certainly we'll give you all the glory and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My verse of Scripture this morning is found in Romans, the 8th chapter. and. Romans 8 and 28, I'll read that. It says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I guess many of you here, probably everyone here and myself included, of in the past, and if honest, we still do sometimes ask this question, why? Why God? Why now? Uh, Why me? Why does this happen to my family, to us? Why? And sometimes life just hands us some ugly situations, and we wonder, how in the world did I ever end up in this mess? How in the world did I ever end up here? Former President uh, Ronald Reagan used to tell a story which he said was true, and I may have mentioned this before, but he said it was about a newspaper photographer out in Los Angeles who was called in by his editor and told of a fire that was raging out in the hilly area south of Los Angeles. And uh, the newspaper photographer's assignment was to rush down to a small airport board a waiting plane, and get some pictures of the fire, and then be back in time for the afternoon edition. Well, breathlessly, he races to the airport, and he drove his car to the end of the runway, and sure enough, there was a plane waiting for him with all the engines all revved up and ready to go. So he got on board, and, and they took off, and at about 5,000 feet, he began getting his camera out of the bag, and... Putting the different lens on it. And, and he told the fellow flying the plane, he says, uh, Get me over the fire so, so I can take some pictures and get back to the paper. And from the other side of the cockpit, there was a deafening silence. And then he heard the words Aren't you my flight instructor? Sometimes life hands us some situations and we say, how did I end up here? Hopefully nobody has ever had to experience that. Why God? Why me? We've probably all asked that question. Some of us have been in situations, our lives have been going along smoothly and we're just feeling good about life. We thought everything was under control when, oops, something changes and we look around and we realize we are in Trouble, And we say, how did I get here? That can happen sometimes when the nurse comes back with the results of the test she just ran on us. And we ask, why God? Why now? And why me? Someone close to us passes away and we feel the loss and the hurt. And we ask, why God? Why didn't, why didn't you heal them? Sometimes marriage will fall apart. And we ask, why God? Why now? And we ask, why my family? Why me? Or maybe financial problems hit us. And the list can go on and on about the problems that sometimes we find ourselves in. And we ask, why? We find ourselves feeling like everything is all of a sudden out of control. And we need help. Life doesn't always operate according to what we have planned, according to what we would like to see happen. My scripture today is easy to believe when things are going along good, isn't it? It's easy to believe when things are going good, and, but it's a little harder to accept when our world has seemingly fallen apart. You're feeling pretty good. You're flying in the plane because a pilot is seated right next to you. But the next minute you're feeling all alone with your problems and your struggles and you're scared. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And I just ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you really believe that verse of Scripture this morning? How many times have you given something, your best efforts, you felt really good about it, uh, you did your best, you did what you truly to believe to be the right thing to do, and you were expecting to reap good benefits only to have the door closed in your face? Or maybe only to see everything just seemingly fall apart you found yourself really having to stretch your imagination to find anything that you could call good coming out of all that was happening. Instead of feeling good and excited and being blessed, uh, you end up feeling pretty bummed out and hurt and deflated and discouraged and scared. And if you were honest about your feelings, you were probably thinking, well, this surely isn't turning out for anything good. There's nothing good here. A closed door can feel so bad and so permanent sometimes. Uh so final, so heart-wrenching. It can really bring the hurt. And a closed door is not fun to experience. Times like this that I've just mentioned are are rough to deal with, and I know you don't need me to tell you that, but times like this are rough to deal with. Times like this are are hard and difficult to go through. Times like this are when a person really needs to draw close to God and trust that God still has a plan working in your life. During times like this, though, we might not understand the things that are happening and we have got to have the faith and the trust that eventually, if not right away, God will work all things out for good in our lives. I want to look to uh, Genesis, the 37th chapter this morning, and I want to read through and look at part of Joseph's life. story of Joseph in the 37th chapter. The life of Joseph, I think, is one of the best examples of how God works out His plans in the lives of the ones who serve Him and love Him and trust Him. Joseph was one that had his bubble burst a few times. He knew what it uh, was to experience the, the ups and downs of a life of a Christian. He knew what it was to see his all his plans uh, just seemingly to fall apart. Joseph, Joseph experienced what I've been trying to describe to you this morning. And I want to take you to three points in Joseph's life where he lost. And it seemed like he just couldn't get back on his feet. The door seemed to continually just shut in his face. I want us to look at Joseph's life and see three main things. Through all the ups and downs and through all the good and the bad, first of all, Joseph was obedient through all those times. Joseph lived a life that was honorable. and Joseph was used, used by God through all those times of the ups and downs. First of all, Joseph was obedient. When he was a teenager, uh, despite growing up in a terribly dysfunctional family, Joseph walked with God. And that, I hope, would be an encouragement if you've never read the story of Joseph. as a, uh, You being a young person, I encourage you to read it and get in there and study But he proved that growing up as a teenager, even in a dysfunctional family, he, you could walk with God. He walked with the Lord so much so that God revealed to him a part of the future he had planned for him. Genesis 37 tells us that Joseph's father honored him by granting him the family birthrights, though he was not the firstborn son. He uh, made him the manager of the household under his father, and he was exempted from the daily work. All the doors seemed wide open to Joseph until one day when his brothers acted in hatred and sold him as a slave. Joseph had done the right things. He had been obedient to God and to his father, but it cost him his home and his inheritance. I want to read uh, down through the 37th chapter. Begin with the third verse. Let me read there. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. He made him a very colored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him, couldn't speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaves, my sheaf. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream, and he related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father, to all his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had, shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in and mind. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shisham. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shisham? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, Bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, What are you looking for? And he said, I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. Then the man said, They have moved from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. When they saw him from a distance before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said one to another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him. Throw him into one of the pits, and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this, and rescued him out of their hands, and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands and restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. They took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal. And as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh, on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up, lifted Joseph out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus... They brought Joseph into Egypt. I know that's a long reading. But Joseph reveals his dream about his family. Bowing down to him, the dream angers his brothers. And after he comes to them later, they devise the plan to get rid of him and sell him to the traders. Joseph knew what it felt like to be obedient. He knew what it felt like to be obedient but then hated in spite of his obedience. Second point, if we fast forward now to 11 years later, we see that he continued to live on in an honorable life, even through the bad and the difficult times after he had been sold. He continued to live that honorable life, even though, the ba- even though it was bad and difficult, even though he was slandered. He's a young adult now. He's a slave of 28 years working in the home of a high official in the Egyptian courts named Potiphar. Somewhere along the line, Joseph, I believe, had decided that if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So as in Genesis 39 tells us, he honored their Lord and he worked hard at what was assigned to him he served Potiphar with integrity, and when opportunity came, he t- talked to Potiphar about Jehovah God. In Genesis the 39th chapter, the first through the fourth verse, said, "Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, and an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now with his master saw that the Lord was with him, how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, became his personal servant. He made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. The Lord was with Joseph, and he blessed everything that he oversaw. And Potiphar noted this, promoted him to the highest position in his household. Isn't this how it's supposed to turn out? If you faithfully serve the Lord, He'll bless and shield you and open doors for you. Well, sometimes it does. But even when his godly character was severely tested, Joseph shined. He remained faithful uh, through all of it, the good and the bad. He remained faithful Um, even when his character was tested. But the story doesn't end there. Potiphar's wife had made it her goal to make Joseph her latest conquest. The Scripture tells us that lust so gripped this woman that she threw caution to the wind, directly propositioning him to come to bed with her. And as the days went by, she grew more daring. Finally, When none of these tactics had worked, she arranged for the house to be vacated except for herself and the man that she had designs on. The unsuspecting Joseph walked right into her trap and she rushed at him and grabbed him. But Joseph chose to obey the Lord. He jerked free from her grasp so quickly that he left his outer tunic in her hands as he ran out of the house uh, to get away from the temptation. He ran. And I believe that's a lesson that I learned a lot of years ago in the middle of temptation. Sometimes the best thing you can do, the safest thing to do, is just to run. Run away from the situation. Get as far away from the temptation that you can. This is what Joseph did. He ran, ran away. But notice what happens to him. In Genesis uh, 39 and 13, it says that as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household she said to him, see, Potiphar has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me and I cried with a loud voice and as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Verse 16 says that she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. She told him the same story. In verse 19 it says, as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, that this is the way your servant treated me, that Potiphar's anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He was there in prison. We're talking about living an honorable life and yet being slandered for it. Living honorably and yet having your name run through the dirt and the muck. Living, doing what's right and not reaping good from it. Genesis doesn't discuss how the conditions were that Joseph faced, but if we turn to Psalms 105, it uh, gives us a description of how Joseph was treated. Psalms 105 in the 16th verse says, He called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, and they afflicted his feet with fetters, and he himself was laid in arms. Everything in prison uh, wasn't great for Joseph. We read that, but once again, Joseph did the right thing. Joseph was faithful uh, even in the middle of all this hardship. He did the right thing. He should have been honored for his virtue and Potiphar's wife shame for her immoral pursuits. But instead, it's the innocent Joseph who's the one that gets hammered. I don't know if you can put yourself in Joseph's place this morning, but uh, for the second time in his life, he had followed God and God's will. And it seemed like he got a raw deal out of it. He did what was right and uh, and true. And it seemed like he just kept getting the, raw, the wrong end of the stick, the raw deal for it. His chains were made heavier still by the injustice of it all. And in such times like this, um, our mind has a way of screaming, you know, unfair. Uh, this isn't right. Uh, unfair, uh, it's just not right, and why am I the one that's suffering for doing what's right? I don't know if you've been there, but uh, it it happens, and you can wonder, you know, is it worth it sometimes to live for God and do what's right? And, uh, you know, sometimes in, in the middle of these times you look around and see the one that might have no time for God and it just seems like their life just keeps getting blessed and they keep reaping the good and here you are trying to do what's right and it seems like you keep getting slammed. Why am I the one that's suffering for doing what's right? Joseph was obedient, but he was hated. His life was honorable, and yet he was slandered. Doing what's right, but reaping hurt. I want to look at one more point in Joseph's life where he was used of God, but he was forgotten. It comes sometime later after Joseph had been used by God, but then forgotten. In Genesis, the 39th chapter, it closes by telling us that God was in that prison with Joseph. God was right there with him. Verses 21 and 22 tells us that the prison keeper put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. After Joseph had lived a good life there in prison, done what was right, the guard noticed that. And he put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. And verse 23 adds that the keeper of the prison just didn't pay him any attention to anything that was going on in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord just made it to succeed and be blessed. And that sets up what happens in chapter 40 where two of Pharaoh's officers wind up in prison and they were assigned to Joseph's care. The Bible reports that sometime later both these men had a bad night of dreams that troubled them the next morning. Joseph noticed this when he, when he met up with them and he asked him what the problem was. You know, why are you so troubled? And When he heard that they both had dreams that they didn't know the meaning of, Joseph said in verse 8, uh, do not interpretations belong to God. And he told him, he says, tell me your dreams. And the chief cupbearer was first, and uh, he described his un- unusual dream in chapter 40 and verse 9. And said, so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches, and as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so he took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer bottom line was that within three days, the royal cupbearer would be restored to the king's service. And it was here that Joseph made his plea to the cupbearer. He said, just remember me. In verse 14 and 15, he said, Remember me when it's well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this habitation. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this pit. And I think you can almost hear the cupbearer saying, yeah, sure I will. You know, how can I not help the man that's helped me out here so much in prison? But in verses 19, 16 through 19, Joseph gave the chief baker a different interpretation of his dream. Within three days, he'd be hanged, left for the birds. Three days passed, and sure enough, Everything happened exactly as Joseph said. Verses 21 and 22, he restored the chief cupbearer to his office, put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. The days that immediately followed the cupbearer's release made Joseph's work easier. Why? Because I'm sure he felt that any day now he would be pardoned. Any day now they would come and call his name and release him from prison. He would be released. But verse 23 says, Yet the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And I'm sure that the days turned into weeks and then the months and all the lights began to dim for Joseph once again. I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes you do what's right. And others around you seem like they're going their own way and neglecting God and having no time for the things of God. And, uh, but it seems like they just keep moving forward and keep making progress and uh, excelling in life and getting ahead. F.B. Meyer writes in his commentary, says, that, Is it any use then being good? Could there be any truth in what our fathers taught about good coming to the good and evil to the uh, bad or the evil? Is there a God that judges righteously on the earth? And then Meyer speaks to us and he says, You who have been misunderstood, you who have sown seeds of holiness and live to reap nothing but disappointment, loss, hurt, and suffering, you know something of what Joseph must have felt in that dungeon that he was in. You sow good and reap hurt. Joseph's losses are magnified by another element and that was time. The verse, chapter forty one and verse one opens with it happened after two whole years. Two years went by. I think it's some um, one thing to experience a sudden tragedy, like the loss of a child or maybe the discovery of some dreaded disease in your body. Or it's one thing to experience imprisonment for crimes that maybe you committed. But it's another thing altogether to experience misery for months or even years for something that uh, you didn't commit. There have been stories of women who have in a rush of adrenaline lifted automobiles off someone that was pinned after an accident. And Then later, these same women collapse under the shock of what happened. One, One minute they're able to lift the automobile and the next minute they... They're just overwhelmed with the shock of what took place. Many times, a Christian can exhibit the grace to sustain a burden with genuine faith. But then later, they collapse just sobbing from the hurt that they've experienced. How did Joseph endure all that he endured without losing his faith in God? How did he endure all the years, the mistreatment and getting his hopes up and then see him uh, drop? How did he endure all that without losing faith in God? How did he avoid the conclusion that God must just be playing with him, raising his hopes only to crush him? How did he keep from, from becoming bitter and vengeful? Uh, How did he keep from becoming an angry man as he faced the prospect of maybe dying in a dungeon in a foreign country? Sometimes when a door closes in our face, it can seem so permanent, uh, so final. The last point I want to look at is about faith. When everything goes wrong, having faith when everything goes wrong. I think we have to keep the conviction that God reigns over every detail of my life. God knows about everything that's going on in my life. He knows the hurt, the pain that I feel. He knows the good times that I experience. Every detail of my life God is aware of. And he is reigning over every even the smallest detail. I think we have to believe that. All through Joseph's experiences, he held to that conviction that God is still in control. God is still reigning. The banner hanging over Joseph's life, I believe, is the verse from Paul who was himself martyred. Paul said, We know that all things Work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. I don't think that verse means, it means nothing if God isn't in absolute control of our life. That verse won't help us at all unless we allow God to be in absolute control of all the details of our life. He rules over all the details of our life. That's the ground of our hope. That's the assurance that justice will have the last word. And the promise that this life can't compare to what is in store for us in the life to come. Job put it like this. He said, To God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are His. What He tears down cannot be rebuilt. The man He imprisons cannot be released. If He holds back the waters, there's drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. To him, to God, belongs strength and victory. Both deceived and deceiver are his. Throughout Joseph's short but eventful life, he had learned this truth well. People sometimes will let you down, but God will never fail you. People can let us down sometimes, but God is never going to fail us people are going to fail they're going to disappoint you they're going to leave you hanging out to dry sometimes intentionally sometimes unintentionally it just happens but it's going to happen with people but we need to let those times let those times when others may let us down or disappoint us let let those times drive us to god jeremiah the 17th chapter in the 5th verse shows us a difference between the person who puts his hope in what people can do, and the person that puts his confidence in what God can do. It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the dark, parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree that's planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and doesn't fear when heat comes. But its leaves remain green. He's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We've got to learn to wait upon the Lord, to trust in God through these hard times. We've got to allow God to work uh, whatever we are asked to face in life when things just aren't going good, we have got to learn the lesson to wait on God. Wait and see what God has in store for us. Learn to trust in God with with what we're facing today. Even us as a congregation with what we may be experiencing right now, we have got to learn to wait on God, to trust in God, knowing that He knows what's best for us. Isaiah knew this truth and he gave us these words. He said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll soar on wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They'll run and not be faint. I encourage you this morning again to learn to wait upon the Lord. Learn to trust in God with whatever it is you might be facing today. Learn to wait upon God. In closing, again, my verse of Scripture. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God. I remember several years ago, different times um, when I was working, I'd, I'd go out to my truck at lunchtime and eat my lunch. And I'd turn on the radio, I'd make certain that I was there at 12.05, I think it was. And I'd turn on the radio and I'd listen to Paul Harvey. And I always enjoyed him giving the news. Uh, and as you know, Paul Harvey had his own unique way of presenting the news, of bringing the story, of telling the news. Um, and then again in the evening, he uh, had another uh, program and he'd tell a story and it You'd think he was finished, and it just turned out bad. But then he would go on, and he would say, now for the rest of the story. And he'd tell the rest of the story. And the stories, I believe, always had a good or a surprise ending. But sometimes I think we need to give God time to tell the rest of the story in our lives. We need to allow him opportunity to get to the rest of the story. Um. If you're familiar with the rest of the story in Joseph's life, you know that God was still working on a plan for him. Uh, God had a, a rest of the story for Joseph. Joseph interpreted a dream about a famine coming to all the land. And he instructed his people to store up grain for the years of famine to come. And in the end of Joseph's story, it was his family, his brothers and his father and all their families, they ended up coming to him for food to eat. They weren't aware of who he was, but a long story short, Joseph was reunited with his family and things turned out for the good. All throughout Joseph's life, God was working out a plan. You know, sometimes when you're looking ahead, it's hard to see God working but then you go through different things and you look back and say, well, there he was right there doing this and doing that. And you can look back and see how God had to plan, working all the time. But all throughout Joseph's life, God was working out a plan all through the ups and the downs. Joseph remained faithful to God through it all, just allowing God to work, allowing God to write the story, allowing God to write the rest of the story. I say this morning, when you're living your life, things are going well with you. Then all of a sudden, the bottom drops out. You get to experience, I'm sure, just how Joseph must have felt more than once in his life. And you ask, why? And you wonder, where is God? Will I ever see good times again? I'm asking you to please this morning, allow God to work out His plan for your life. Allow God to work out His plan in your life. Allow Him time to write the rest of this story. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Joseph was obedient. He was honorable. Mandy, you can come if you have a song. Joseph was obedient. He lived an honorable life. And Joseph allowed God to work through his life, through all that time, through all the setbacks in his life. I say this morning, whatever you're facing today, just be obedient to God. Whatever you're struggling with today, live with honor in your life. Be determined. I'm going to do what's right no matter what. Allow God to work in and through your life. Allow Him to be able to use you to help others. And trust in the fact God knows right where you are this morning. He knows what you're going through and just how heavy it might weigh on your heart. He has a plan for your life and He's working things for good. And I know that's true for each one of us as individuals and it's true for us as a congregation this morning. I want to leave you with one one last verse of Scripture I want to read. I'm going to read it from uh, the Amplified. One of my favorite verses of Scripture from Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 5th verse. It says, For He, God Himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And I believe that's God's word for us this morning. God knows right where each one of us are this morning as an individual. He knows what each one of us are experiencing, going through. And all things work together for good to those who love God. Remember that God is right there with you and He's not going to fail you. Would you stand this morning, if anybody has a need, give you opportunity if you need to come and pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for encouragement from Your Word. Thank You for Your faithfulness, Father, and that assurance. No matter what we're facing today, Father, You can be right there with us to take us through, to hold our hand, Lord, and to work things out in our life. God, encourage the people this morning. Anyone that might have a need, Father, I pray you touch their heart, help them to see greater you greater than anything they face. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymnals and turn to page six hundred and sixty three.